the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. This is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life that you were created for and then find it to the full. That's exactly what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in this message called The Mathematics of Prayer in the brand new series called The Doorway. It's the story of Jesus feeding the multitudes. This is Real Life Radio. So here he says, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And so they, they hear leaven and they think of bread, okay? They think of the yeast. And so they began discussing, oh man, we didn't bring bread. They began discussing the fact they had no bread. Jesus, aware of them, said, why are you discussing the fact you have no bread? Don't you yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hard and fine? If you want to talk about bread, I'll talk about bread. Having eyes to see, having ears to hear, you do not remember and then he asked him a question. When I broke the five loaves for 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said, well, 12. And the seven for 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said, well, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? You can almost hear frustration. The leaven or the yeast of the Pharisees was self-righteousness, which is the exact opposite of the lesson of these feedings which is the power of God and what I want to call this morning the mathematics of prayer. Jesus is trying to teach some kingdom mathematics, the mathematics of prayer, and it's absolutely different. And he has just made these huge illustrations on the mathematics of prayer, and they're not getting it. We get so addicted to what we can do. We sit and say, well, Jesus wants people's lives to change, so what can we do? How can we make that happen? And what ends up happening, Jesus, who said, I am the bread of life, and he feeds people to fullness and overflowing, they end up getting crumbs. When we try to do it in our own power and our own strength, the best, I, folks, on our best day, with our best gifts, our best talent, the best I've got to offer, our worship teams, our min kids' ministry teams, our missions team, the best we can offer in our own strength to a starving, needy world, desperately hungry for something real. The best we're ever going to offer is crumbs. If we don't understand the mathematics of prayer and the lesson of the feedings, which is simply the more I depend on what's in my hand, the less I'll receive of what's in his. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Jesus said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make straight your path. That's a problem. Because my understanding, I've been trained, ever since I was a little kid, I've been trained to lean on my own understanding. And what the word is trying to tell us is that becomes a crutch. Nothing wrong with your understanding until you realize, wait a minute, there's a God and his understanding, his power, his agenda, and his ability is different. And so if I'm going to depend on and lean on my own understanding, it's like a crutch. And I call it cripple Christianity. 
or the best I'm ever going to do is kind of limp through when God says, that's not what I designed you for. That's not what I meant when I said abundant life, real life. I intended something different. The more I depend on what's in my hand, the less I'll receive of what's in his. Great illustration in the Old Testament. You remember poor Gideon? I think Darna talked about him last week. Gideon, you remember? The Midianites were totally harassing Israel. They were much more powerful at the time, and there was really nothing Israel could do but hide. And Gideon, you remember? The Bible uses some really good humor here. Gideon is sitting in a wine press hiding. He's down, and he's threshing some wheat to try to hide it from the Midianites so that it wouldn't be stolen and raided. And so he's hiding in a wine press, and the Lord shows up and says, How you doing, mighty man of valor? And it's like, seriously, God, you too, really? Sarcasm from the Almighty, from the Lord, from the messenger of God, really? Because that's what it would feel like if you're Gideon and you're sitting there kind of hiding out, trying to make a little flour for bread. And the Lord's messenger shows up and says, How's it going, mighty man of valor? Good news. I want to use you to defeat that army. I want to use you to defeat the enemy. And Gideon's like, yeah, um, you don't know me, do you? Because I don't really do that. I kind of thresh wheat in wine presses. That's my, more my thing. And you know how it goes. He says, no, I've got some things I want you to do. And Gideon begins to do them. But of course, Gideon is so nervous about this whole thing. He says, he says okay, I want you to prove it. Remember the two fleeces? And he puts the fleeces out, and that's where we get the term, put a fleece before the Lord. He puts two fleeces, and the Lord does exactly what he says. And so, okay, Gideon gathers an army, and he's pretty fired up. Even though it's not near enough, he gets 32,000 men of Israel to come and prepare for battle. 32,000. And they are still way outnumbered. And in Judges 7, beginning at verse 2, we read, The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into the hands of Israel or they would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now understand, the Midianites had gone to the Amalekites and gotten them as paid goons as well as people from other eastern nations around them. So there's fundamentally three armies. And God just said, yeah, there's too many of you. God, we're way outnumbered. I know. The more I depend on what's in my hand, the less I'll receive what's in his. So God says to Gideon, poor Gideon, remember... He says, now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. 22,000 men left while 10,000 remain. That wasn't a great army in the first place. 32,000 guys, 22,000 like, I'm out. Thank you, Gideon. Woo! So there's 10,000 guys left. And Gideon's like, are you happy now, Lord? It was an impossible task before. Now it's a really, really, really impossible task. But the Lord said to Gideon, not there's still too many men. Take them down to the water. I will thin them out for you there. If I say this one goes, he goes. If I say this one shall not go, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. The Lord told them, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog. So they would get down on their face and just lap the water. From those who kneel down to drink, the more civilized ones. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I'll save you. 300 guys with no manners, 300 barbarians. He said, I'll take those guys. And I will give the Midianites into your hand. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept 300. 
who took over the provisions and the trumpets of the others. From 32,000 down to 300, and God says, okay, now we're good. And you know they won this very cool victory in the oddest of ways. God has them blow trumpets. He has them smash these ceramic pots with lights in them. So there's the, the crashing of pots, the flashing of lights. God had sent dreams into this army, so they were already afraid. And so when they blow these trumpets, they crash these pots, they light these lights, this Midianites and the Amalekites start killing one another. And 300 men put thousands upon thousands to flight without ever having to draw a sword. And God's like, yeah, that's what I intended. The more I depend on what's in my hand, the less I'll receive of what's in his. We are standing on an illustration of that, folks. Sitting here in this room, this property. This was an impossible thing. And in 2009, God gave us an incredible opportunity. It's an awesome opportunity to purchase this property. They wanted $8 million for it. They ended up offering it to us for $6.5 million. They, they end up taking a small part for a commercial development, but it became affordable for us. We got a deal on our property. We had a contract on our property. We had lenders who at first were saying, yes, everything's all good. Our financials look good. Everything was going good. And then the crunch of 2008 and 2009 hit. And every single lender backed out. And at the end of 2009, our earnest money, all that we had invested in our due diligence, money we'd spent on architects, engineers, attorneys, all the stuff, the contract expired and it was all gone. So I had to get up in front of our congregation and say, you're going to laugh. $360,000 gone. We had done a fundraising campaign. We had raised a bunch of money and it was gone. And we're like, Lord, but we believe that you said you wanted this for us. And the Lord said, don't worry about it, I do. And so we go into 2010, which was, actually all we did was go back to doing church. And I, that's why I say 2010 was the greatest year we'd had up to that point, simply because it wasn't 2009, okay? 2009 was terrible. But we just wait. And we still have a sense that, no, God's moving, God's in this, God has this for us. So at the end of 2010, beginning of 2011, the guys come to us and go, we have not been able to sell this thing. We've had qualified, interested buyers, and something kept stopping the sale. <laughs> go ahead. What were you saying? I'm sorry. They said, look, it was 100 acres for $6.5 million. We'll just give you the whole 110 acres for $5 million. Let's get it done. 2010 was the most profitable year in this ministry's existence, and we didn't do a dang thing. That's the way we roll at River City. We're way more effective when we're not doing anything, okay? No, but God was doing something. And what went from a very good deal kind of became a very God deal. The more I depend on what's in my hand, the less I'll receive of what's in his. God is trying to show us some things. A couple observations that I believe are specific for us and I want to share with you this morning. Number one, God wants to do the supernatural. You cannot read the scriptures and come to the conclusion God doesn't want to do the supernatural or he's done with the supernatural. 1 Corinthians 12, he's talking not to just the apostles. He's talking, Paul is teaching a regular church. And he says to the church in Corinth, now to each one in the body, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one there's given through the spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge. By means of the same spirit to another faith. And we're good with all those. When we start talking about, oh, gifts of knowledge or wisdom, teaching, service, we're like, oh, that's all good. But then it gets a little bit 
awkward. He says, to another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. Oh, pastors start to get freaked out. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kind of tongues. Still another, interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. God wants to do the supernatural in and through his church and in his world because that's who God is. And i got to tell you, when we say that, there's two reactions going on in the room. Some of you might be having both of these reactions. One is excitement. It's like, that only makes sense, the creator of all things. There is something about, when we read the scripture, the power of God, and something about the way we live our ordinary lives, and it's like, okay, there's a disconnect. And so there's an excitement. Yes, I think God wants to do the supernatural. And there's also another reaction, which is just some serious discomfort. Some real serious discomfort, because um, I can't do that. It could get weird. I can't explain it. I definitely can't control it, and that makes our whole control freak thing very uncomfortable. This is a total assault to our self-sufficiency because there's something in us that trains us to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, do it on our own, and when we do something great, we want the glory, we want the credit, and when something supernatural happens, you can't do anything but go, wow, look what God did. So while on one hand we get very excited at the idea God wants to move in power, He's real, He's present, on the other hand, we get really uncomfortable. And I'm afraid too often we back away. And the question that I have for us is, will we let our discomfort put God in a box? Will we let our discomfort put our God in a box? Because that's what we often do. We kind of head down and we define, okay, this is how God does it, and this is our theology, and this is what it looks like, and it really looks like just a kind of pumped-up, ramped-up version of what we do. And we kind of try to redefine God as kind of just a nicer one of us. When God says, yeah, no, I'm not going to let anybody put me in a box. And you're like, how can we put the eternal creator in a box anyway? Well, we can't really. What we're really doing is putting ourselves in a box that says, God, you're not welcome. Here's our list of what God can and can't do. And Okay, so God, we're going to post that on our inside of our box. And God's like, yeah, I don't do that. I'm God. My challenge, River City, is I think God wants us to let him out of the box. Will you let God out of the box in your life? The more I depend on what's in my hand, which I have been trained to do, the less I'll receive of what's in his. We want to take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in this new series called The Doorway. And if you'd like to hear the full unedited message, it's available right now as a free download at River City's website called reallife.org. Just look for the sermon link on the left-hand side of the page. And if you think you'd like to come check out River City, Well, here's an invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. 
River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 and 11. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. Welcome back as we return to this message called The Mathematics of Prayer. This is Real Life Radio. A second thing, when Jesus leads you to do something impossible, he never intends for you to do it on, our, on your own, which is really good news. When Jesus leads you to do something impossible, which everything in the scripture says he will do, when he leads you to do something impossible, he never intends for you to do it on your own. What he's saying is, I want to do something miraculous. Will you let me do it through you? Do you know what's fascinating? Stop and think about the feeding. Who fed the 5,000 plus people so that they were all full? Who did that? Hey, who's that kid? Way to go. Excellent. Most people go, oh, Jesus did. Actually, he didn't. Actually, he had the disciples do it. They actually took the baskets. They actually handed the food. Do you understand when Jesus looked them in the face and said, you give them something to eat? He was dead serious. And they actually did. They actually did. It was his power that did it. It was his provision that did it. But he used them. Do you realize when God comes and says to you, I have something before you and it seems impossible. Do you know he's serious? And he wants to empower us to do things that on the face of it seem impossible. He's been doing it through his people and through his church since the very beginning. And for some reason, many of us get hung up on the, oh, well, he wouldn't do that with me. And he doesn't work like that anymore. I want to say to you, that is not biblical. When he asks you to do the impossible, when he leads you to do something impossible, he never intends for you to do it on your own because he is there with them. Zechariah 4, 6, the Lord said, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. It's his spirit. Jesus in Matthew 28, 20, one of the last things he said to his disciples was, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Understand this whole deal. Do you understand that the point was not that a bunch of people got lunch? Because Jesus could have simply kind of said, oh, you guys are hungry? Poof. No one's hungry. Poof. Oh, Jesus, feel better. Thank you. I'm Jesus. That's what I do. He could have gone that route. He didn't. Instead, he wanted to show something to his disciples. He wanted to fellowship with them. He wanted there to be this partnership. Do you know that's always the point? Relationship with God, dependency on God. The glory of God displayed in us. That's the point. He wanted to do something amazing. And sometimes I don't understand why he does it, but he loves us so much he wants to use us. And let me get more specific. He wants to use you. The more I depend on what's in my hand, the less I'll receive of what's in his. And here's the big point. Now, this is going to be a springboard to what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks, and I just want to get you ready. Number three, and I'll wrap with this, prayer is the doorway from the natural to the supernatural. Prayer is the doorway from the natural to the supernatural. You know, Jesus, when they gave him the loaves, he looked up to heaven. Do you know what he was doing? And he blessed the bread. Jesus was praying. Now, understand something. Jesus is God, right? Jesus could have just done that miracle. He knew it. He was showing us something. 
He was showing us that the doorway between the natural, which what you just got, the feeding of the 14 that I just gave out. Okay, and we should tell that story, by the way. Remember the feeding of the 14? Everybody got a little crumb. It was great. That's the natural. We got one loaf for a few hundred people. That's the natural is the feeding of the 14 and they all get it and they're all go away hungry. Okay. The supernatural is the feeding of the 5,000 plus with one kid's lunch and everybody's satisfied and everybody's glorifying God. And the doorway between those two is prayer. That's what the Lord spoke to me about on this time away. And you go, well, that's so basic. I know. Then why do we struggle with it so much? I I don't know. Listen listen to what Jesus said. And and you know what? Mark 11, I'm going to qualify this in a couple weeks. Don't qualify it yet. Let's just let it be as radical and crazy as it sounds. They're the words of Jesus, not me. Don't get mad at me. Talk to Jesus. Mark 11, 22 through 24. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it'll be done for them. Oh, come on. Just let the words of Jesus be. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it, and it will be yours. You think Jesus is careless with words? You think the Bible just kind of throws stuff out there because that's kind of a fun thing to think about? Or do you think that is true? Because if it's true, we've got some stuff. We've got some stuff to wrestle with. Now, we know Jesus isn't giving us license to kind of pray and ask for whatever we want and build our own empire and kind of. I want to be stinking rich. I want a house, and you know. And we'll talk about where does that belief come from. That's what we're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. We're going to talk about that. But right now, I just want us to understand. Do you realize Jesus said? Ask, they'll be given to you. How little do we ask? You know, one of the things the Lord said to me on this time away, he said, Azaro, you're leaving money on the table. You know, like God said that? Well, that's the way I hear it, you know. He probably wouldn't speak to you like that. You're polite people, but... It's like when you understand the spiritual things that I want to do, the spiritual, you're leaving money on the table. There's blessings, there's resource, there's opportunity that I have for you that you're not accessing. Because you haven't understood the full aspects and power of prayer. And I want to say to you, we're leaving money on the table when it comes to the power of prayer. And God wants us to go a different direction. One of the things he said to me in this time, is actually one of the first things he said, and I wrote it down because I was like, it's so simple, but man, was it relevant and powerful. Prayerlessness leads to powerlessness. No prayer, no power. Problem is, powerlessness leads to unbelief. Powerlessness leads to unbelief. And stop and think about it, folks. One of the biggest problems in the Christian church today is the world just doesn't believe. In fact, a lot of Christians don't believe. We just flat out don't believe. When we say to the world, well, I know that this is what the world says, but here's what the Bible says, and, and when it come, whether it comes to matters of morality, when it comes to matters of, of origin, whatever it is, they flat out don't believe. And quite frankly, absent the power of God, why should they? Prayerlessness leads to powerlessness. Powerlessness leads to unbelief. And one of the biggest issues and problems we face in the church and outside the church today is unbelief. 
I want to challenge you. God wants to take us new places in prayer, and he wants to meet us there, and he wants to do things that we haven't seen before. So I just want to challenge you. The more I depend on what's in my hand, the less I'll receive of what's in his. What are you depending on that's in your hand right now? It's in your family life, your marriage, your, your work, your spiritual life. I don't know. What are you depending on? What are you kind of leaning on and you're just kind of getting modest, if any, fruit? What is it that you need to depend on a little less so that you can receive what's in his hand? My challenge is that we become the people of power that God intended us to be. I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm not talking about cocky strut. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about the power of God for the glory of God manifest in his people. That's what he wants. And I'm just saying, let's stop explaining away the power of God and let's start seeking it through the gift of prayer. Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio in this series called The Doorway. And if you'd like to hear this full, unedited message all over again and this series, it's available right now as a free download. You can even see the video podcast at the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to come visit River City Community Church located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park. You can see all the details, directions, and service times again at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 490-5262. As Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 and 11. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.